I'm Halima Atab, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So obviously today's episode marks the second and last part of my two-part series on flaws in the school system. So just for a quick recap, if you forgot, last episode um, discussed the systemic issues in the school system and how they plague minorities and low-income students, worsening their quality of education. And more specifically, I focused on how these issues masks, mask sorry, themselves under the safety of Magnet and other specialized advanced programs. So today's episode is going to specifically focus on issues that occur in school system on a more individual level. So to start off with one of my personal least favorites of the school system flaws, this one is the lack of representation. So it's no surprise that there's a lack of diversity within these advanced accelerated learning programs. And this kind of ties into my last episode as minorities were obviously a focal point of discussion. And as I discussed before, with these special advanced learning programs primarily relying on high scores for admittance, it's really no wonder that those who lack that great quality of education that a lot of people are privileged with and don't even understand aren't involved. So being that these groups of students are typically minorities, it reduces diversity significantly. These top programs boast stellar scores, but have a monotone look. They pride themselves in top quality resources, but lack representation. So representation as defined by the Oxford Dictionary is the description or portrayal of someone or something in a particular way. So people typically don't realize just how vital representation is, especially in education and academic school settings in general. And probably most notably when observing or looking at the younger side of the entire K through 12 spectrum, given that younger kids, tweens are so impressionable and really easy to be influenced or swayed. So according to an article from the Pennsylvania State University, role models play an important part in our everyday lives. They motivate us. In addition, if our role models can connect with us on a more personal level, there is a potential for a deeper, more meaningful relationship to form. So these meaningful relationships make learning significantly more effective. To think about it, every single teacher that I've had, like I'm just reflecting right now, but every single amazing teacher I've had, I've had a really good, solid relationship with. I've been able to resonate with them, and it's just been a great experience because I have a good relationship with them. Having a good relationship with your teacher can really equate to a better learning experience, which is so important for a lot of students. So, of course, with these meaningful relationships come more effective learning, and that, in turn, increases scores and all of the positive effects that come with a good education. So given the racial and economic disparities in this country, many students of color are already at a disadvantage when it comes to education and learning in general. How can they be expected to earn high scores when they're depleted of access to a good quality education? But as a direct result of said issues, top programs lack representation for minority students, only fueling the belief in a synonymous relationship between black and or Hispanic and uneducated slash loud, and white being the standard for in which we should strive for. The way I'm making it sound, though, makes it seem as if this preconceived notion is way too ignorant or blatantly racist to ever be encountered in person. But unfortunately for me and a lot of my peers in Magnet Advanced Programs, it's all too common. 
I've been told loads of times that I act white, I'm putting air quotes up because that's just impossible, but that I act white because I'm studious or earn relatively good grades and I've been considered to be eloquent by my teachers and some of my peers. Once I'm actually, this is the only time I can remember like crystal clear, a white classmate of mine told me verbatim, why do you act so white? Like you can't be black. Hearing that at age 12 in seventh grade obviously didn't shake me to my core. I'd heard it so many times and it's it had become so normalized that I really just didn't care, but really it proved to be detrimental to my perception of people who look like me, especially in the academic setting. And this is why representation is so important. Unaware of these disparities that plague people of color and minorities in the school system, I assume that all students in those categories failed or weren't as high scoring as me because they were dumb and or didn't try and that mindset followed me for years i'm really ashamed of it but luckily i'm a lot more educated now and can easily tell how those lower test scores can be attributed to systemic issues that are rooted in our country's foundation what i'm getting to though is that a lack of representation in these programs gives minority students no motivation As I mentioned earlier in the Pennsylvania State University article, we need role models to guide us. Being placed in top programs with no population of people that you can resonate with can be so detrimental, and that's a fraction of the reason why the school system has some of the flaws it does. We need representation, and the school system lacks that heavily, especially in top performing and scoring programs. So the next kink in the school system is in relation to parental involvement. So obviously, every student has different parents who in turn have different parenting styles. Whether authoritarian or permissive, one thing is a necessity for all, involvement. Parental involvement is integral in students' learning, whether it's keeping their child engaged by providing them with extra work outside of school, enrolling them in tutoring or after-school programs, or just recognizing their academic weaknesses and focusing on them with their child after school. Each student's needs are different and each student's parent is different. Initially, I was unsure about including this topic point in this episode, mainly because I was worried that it wasn't an individual thing, but for reasons which I'm about to discuss, it is. Not every student has parents who are willing or able to be involved, and given that parental involvement is such a huge aspect of a good education, this point is one of the worst. For example, socioeconomic status plays a huge role here. For starters, not every child's parent may have enough education necessary to help them learn or to even adjust their weaknesses. For example, some students' parents might not have completed high school or middle school. They might have dropped out early to support their families, and that could have translated into them not being able to help their students in school now outside of the, outside of the classroom. Um, next up, not every single parent's, not every single child's parent may be able to be in the home. Not every single child has a parent available. That's a huge kink that a lot of people don't even address or are unaware of. I was really blind to that because of my privilege, privilege, but I'm really grateful that I have my two parents in my home that can help me with my academics. A lot of students might be in foster care. Students might be orphans. Students might not have access to parents that are even able to be present at home. This relates to socioeconomic status once again because some students' parents have to work multiple jobs to sustain them, to maintain them and their families, to have food on the table. This means that they're absent in the home for a significant amount of time. Not every single child can just come home to parents that are able to help them with their homework, that are able to help them address their needs, their academic weaknesses, and it's something that really plagues a lot of these low-income children, minority students. 
What I'm trying to get to though is that these kinks might seem minor on paper, but in the long run, they are so harmful. And as I said like three seconds ago, I'm really grateful that my parents were so heavily involved in my academic upbringing. They both had their specialties. My mom spent years as a chemist, so science and math were two areas that I always had assistance in. I was given math packets every day after school and went through tons of practice books and science camps or tutoring sessions with her. As for my dad, he's an architect and he's helped, he's really thrived in helping me ensure perfect measurements and precision in all of my projects and assignments. Everything was always to scale. And I don't say this just to talk about my parents. I don't know why I would do that. But the main takeaway is that because of them, I've acquired so many essential skills that benefit me in school today and in general today. Not everyone has this, and this is where I recognize my privilege. And to quote from an article by Education Week, Time spent in the classroom is simply not enough for teachers to instruct every student, to teach them what they need to know. There must, inevitably, be some interaction outside school hours. And those words are painfully true. I say painfully because not everybody has access to the same parental involvement that I do, that one of my peers might have, or or that we're not all the same. We all need different treatment, and we might not all have those resources that are easily accessible to us. And those words relate that issue relates to the school system as obviously one it's educational and two after school engagement is a concept that's so heavily stressed and emphasized by schools but they fail to recognize that not every student has access to the same parents at home not everyone has parents who can be involved in furthering their education or their drive to learn whether attributed to economic or racial disparities as well as other many other factors it sets up in an, an unfair playing ground or situation Essentially, schools preach that our parents need to be engaged, but fail to recognize that we're not all equipped with the same at-home scenarios or resources. And perhaps one of the most impactful flaws of the school system, the infamous lack of preparedness for the future. And I say this with excitement, but it's clearly not exciting or positive at all. Um, I talked about this briefly, very lightly, in my burnout episode, which if you haven't watched, you should definitely watch. I've... I've referred to that episode like four times in this past episode and this one as well. But I'm just stressing how important it is for you guys to watch that. So if you haven't heard it, go listen because it'll give you really good insight on this issue. But one thing, if you pay attention to the words I use, one thing that I've stressed in every single episode that's dealt with the school system with education issues is scores. Scores, grades, all that numerical stuff. That numerical junk is what really defines the school system unfortunately not your individual talents not your not people's individual intrinsic goals none of that stuff it's scores grades and numbers and those things are really just so detrimental because that leads to a lack of preparedness for the future we don't know it's really this is something that it's a really common trope that everybody talks about you know like when you're sitting in like calculus or something and you're going over like tangent and cosine and you're like wow when am I going to need to know the every single coordinate of the unit circle in the future how do I know that but I don't know how to do my taxes that is such a common trope that everybody refers to at some point in their lives I can admit that I've said those exact words before but it's it's funny to joke about but it's really a serious issue and for so many reasons I feel like this issue definitely can be attributed to the years and years, well, for me, years and years, of experience with the school systems, and I wouldn't say societies, but definitely the school systems heavily, like, they, they're just their 
what's the word? I'm forgetting the word. But this all relates to the school system's stress on grades. Grades are great. It's nice to know that I'm proficient in like social studies or something. But grades aren't everything. And that's something that I have to stress again. Grades aren't everything. And for a lot of people, it's really hard to get this past their brain. But once you really understand that grades are not everything and that they do not define you as a person, school will be a lot more enjoyable. And I say this not to motivate people to fail because obviously we still need to get good grades. But I say this because it really ties into our lack of preparedness for the future. For me, I have I used to have a very narrow, very, very narrow idea of what success meant after school. I thought it meant graduating high school with straight A's, getting my diploma, and then going straight to college, getting A's there. But I didn't look past that. I didn't look past the narrow lens of straight A's. Like that was my definition of a good student. And I've said this in my burnout episode before, which I referenced already, but if you don't know, if you've never asked yourself this question, it's a good time to ask yourself this. What defines a good student? And I've asked this before, but I feel that a lot of people still are unaware of their own perceptual set, their own preconceived notions about what it means to be good as a student. If you say anything about grades, it's flawed. And that could be due and due and attributed to the school system. So to quote results from a multi-year college and career readiness survey of 165,000 high school students conducted by Youth Truth, 45% of students feel positive about their college and career readiness. However, an overwhelming 87% of students want to eventually earn a college degree and land a career, but believe that their schools aren't helping them develop the skills that they'll need to succeed after graduation. Now, again, I was initially confused as to whether or not I should have included this topic point, this flaw, in this episode because I was worried that it wasn't something that affected people on an individual basis. But I'm really very, very sure now that it does. I say this because interests are subjective. Not everybody wants to do the same thing after they graduate high school or are promoted from high school. And that's just, that's a fact. It's proven. However, schools teach us as if there's only one way out, that we have to leave and go to college and that's it. They teach us a very narrow and blurred idea of what it means to be successful and what skills, I'm putting up air quotes, that we'll need in the future. They stress things like calculus more than they stress things like critical thinking, which they imply that calculus teaches, but it really doesn't. I memorize in calculus. That's what everyone does. I can't think of anybody that genuinely is intrinsically motivated to do well in calculus because they like it, because they like numbers. If you do, you scare me. But what I'm trying to get to is that schools prepared us more to, they prepared us more to pass tests and to earn good marks, to earn good scores, high grades, to better the programs and to better the image of the schools and their respective magnet programs, not to prepare us for the future. I, for some insight on this, I recently just switched into a financial readiness class. It's an honors class, so it's one of my two easy classes to just chill in. I have a really packed AP jam-packed schedule. What I'm trying to get to is that I was exposed to so many things that I hadn't encountered ever in my life. I'm really so blind to finances outside of school. I only know about taxes, federal income tax, that's it. That was my only knowledge of finances outside of school. And The realization that I had to literally enroll in an entire course this year just to grasp what it meant to have to handle finances, taxes, etc., down payments after high school is absurd to me. The fact that it's not taught steadily from K through 12 is really scary and it irks my soul because that's something that's even more important than tangent. And I don't say this because I suck at calculus. I say this because it's so integral that we have a knowledge as a 
as members of this, as functioning members of society with this population of this country, at least growing, well, actually on a global scale, with the population on the global scale growing just exponentially with less jobs being available, a point that I mentioned in the last episode, which you should definitely watch if you haven't. It's so integral that we have a good mindset, that we have a good mentality, and that we have strong, solid, concrete knowledge of a good finance of good finances of knowing what to do with our money in the future and money is just a fraction of the skills the life skills that we need to be aware of when exiting high school when going through the k through 12 process that's just that's just one tiny fraction of it i say all of these things really just to address how college and grades and scores and numerical stuff all of that junk is so heavily emphasized in in the school system to the point where everything else is kind of brushed aside and forgotten there is no reason that i should know how to solve for an angle at like any like triangle isosceles etc but not know how to file my taxes or how to pay bills i literally didn't even know any of that stuff really existed until relatively recent which is really scary and i'm not saying that these skills just because i suck at math that these skills are relevant and that we don't need them that depends it's really subjective based on what you want to do in the future and that is something that relates to the solution that i propose for this flaw in the school system on how Grades are so heavily stressed and that certain things are taught more than others that are so important. We lack preparedness for a lot of life skills and it makes me really fearful because a lot of my peers and classmates, including myself, are so unaware and unprepared for the future. We're being taught the wrong skills and the priority is really just all over the place. And as I've proposed like three seconds ago, my solution involves a system of course, including equity, which I discussed more in depth in the first part of this two-part series, which you should definitely watch if you haven't already. But besides equity, my proposed plan for a solution to this issue is definitely incorporating people's talents and and interests. What motivates them to, to be at school? For me, for example, I personally want to go into the medical field in the future. That's something that is, that's why I stay in school, so I can be in that field in the future. I want to be a neurologist. I want to be a physician in that realm. For me, classes like, I don't know, social studies are relevant to that. I'm not saying social studies is completely unimportant that needs to be brushed off completely or abolished, but it's something that I shouldn't really be obligated to take. I shouldn't have to take AP. I shouldn't have to take U.S. history for four years in a row, learning about the same people in the same government every single year, when that's not a field I want to go into. Sure, AP U.S. history is something that's interesting to me. That's why I take it. But besides that, there's no reason why I should have had to learn about the Founding Fathers five times. Maybe more, actually, because I've been learning about this since elementary school. The point I'm trying to get to, though, is that my proposed solution for this issue involves taking into account and really considering everybody's individual interests. And of course, with this proposed system, it's all a draft, just my ideas floating around my head. But of course, with this proposed system, math, sciences, of course, those topics and subjects aren't going to be completely kicked to the curb. It is important that we know why science is important because it fuels our lives same thing with math but the basics and the fundamentals are what's fundamental they're fundamentals they're important they're integral those things are important however i should not have to be forced to learn about one subject over and over because it's redundant it's repetitive and it's frankly just frustrating and annoying i should have to learn about things that will not that don't concern what i want to do in the future of course The problem that comes into this is that not everyone is fully aware of what they want to do in the future, but I'm pretty sure that 
as a child, you know if, besides the fundamentals, of course, if you want to be learning about shapes for the rest of your life, if it's not concerning you. If you don't want to be an engineer, why do you have to learn about about topics that pertain to engineering? Same thing with medicine. If you want to be a scientist, why do you have to spend years and years and years learning about the founding fathers on an endless vicious cycle we know what they did and we learn about it every single year why is it stressed so much that we learn about these irrelevant topics but not the ones that pertain to our futures and that's where career development and readiness comes into play i know that there's a couple classes about readiness for the future but my proposition my my proposal is that these shouldn't be specific classes. I shouldn't have to wait until my junior year of high school to sign up to take a financial readiness class or a career readiness, what career path do you want class. I should be able to be learning about these things every single year. The same way that we learn about the founding fathers annually, we should be learning about how to file our taxes, how to apply for colleges. These little things that seem minor on paper, but that really affect us in the long run, our well-being and our futures, our lives, as functioning members of society should be taught in little amounts that vary based on your age. So, you know, maybe from K through 12, obviously it's not something that you would be able to fully grasp as like a seven-year-old, but as you get older, as you progress through the K through 12 American schooling system, learning about financial readiness, about career readiness, about things that will pertain to your literal future should be incorporated into every single year of learning, not just one class I have to wait until my junior year of high school to take. But of course, as I've stressed numerous times in both the first part of this series and this episode as well, everything relates to equity. We cannot, the, the school system is inherently inequitable. Not everybody has access to the same resources, opportunities, and as I've defined in the first episode, equity is vital in a good education. When discussing the inequalities that plague a lot of minorities, low-income students, as well as the the inequity in in the fact that we're forced to learn about things that really don't pertain to what we want to do. Everything is subjective in school. Our interests are subjective. What I like might not be what somebody else likes, and the career path that somebody else wants to go down might not necessarily be the career path that I want to go down. And that's when equity comes in. To refer to an article from the Great Schools Partnership.org, equity improves communities. Public schools in the US are intended not only to prepare students for college and careers, but for citizenship or participation in civic life. Not only do schools teach civics and democracy, but they embody it. In addition, schools who attend economically and racially diverse schools, a key component key component, sorry, of educational equity is this kind of integration, express fewer discriminatory attitudes and prejudices. And this is where my proposal comes back into play. Everything relates to equity in this world and in the school system most notably. Without it, we're not going to be able to thrive as individuals. And in the first episode, I discussed systemic issues. Today's episode was about individual issues. Both of these need to be need to be related to equity in order for us to all have a good quality of education. Whether it's what career path I want to go down versus what someone else wants to go down, go down. Whether it's a access that differs between all of us and my peers when it pertains to if we have access to parents at home that can help us with our homework, if we have access to resources at, resources at home. Every single one of these issues is a kink in the school system that seem really minor on paper, but that really affect us in the long run. They can be detrimental, and they're, it's so important for equity, and I have to stress this so many times. I've probably said that word like 18 times in this episode alone, but I have to reiterate, equity is so, so important, and it's integral. And if there's one thing that will stick with you after this episode, it's equity, the importance of it, and why we need it today. So to sum it all up in a nutshell, 
nothing will be possible, no improvements will be possible in the school system until we're all given the opportunities we need to succeed. And again, we shouldn't be, we want to be equal, of course, because we should be viewed as equal already in the eyes of educators, staff, and teachers, and mentors. However, we all need different treatment. We all have our academic strengths and weaknesses. We all have different career paths and interests, and we're all motivated by different things. Therefore, it's really important that the school system fixes these flaws I've talked about, as well as so many others. I've only reached the tip of the iceberg, and that's so, it's awful that that's the tip of the iceberg, because... As I said before, I made this point, it's super important, but as the population grows and as job availability decreases, it's so important that we're all educated. And if we don't have equal access to a good education, is it really fair? Are we, is it, are we really being given the same opportunity to thrive in this society in the future? With that being said, change cannot start with just me. I My podcast episode isn't going to change the school system entirely. We all have to make an effort to become more well-educated and be grateful for the things we have. If you have parents in your home that have helped you in any point of your life in your education and furthering your education and your academic strengths, be grateful for that. If you've ever had access to technology at home to learn, be grateful for that. If you're even listening to this episode right now on any type of electronic device, be grateful for that because that's a resource that a lot of people, low-income students and minority students are depleted from, are deplete, are depleted of, sorry. And it's something that plagues innocent children. And with growing demand for jobs and for people to fulfill those jobs, it's really important that we're all educated as a society. And with all of these kinks in the school system, it's really just an unfair playing field for a lot of people and a lot of students. With that being said, this episode has to come to an end and that marks the end of my two-part series on the flaws of the school system. Be sure to listen next week for another episode. I hope you enjoyed and took something away from this episode in particular and thank you so much for listening.